Hi everyone, how are you? I'm Julia, if you don't know me, I'm on maternity leave at the moment, but uh, you've pulled me out of my house uh, to come and speak to you this morning. Hello, I'm in, I'm in your living room, how exciting. Um, I'm so excited and happy to be with you today and I'd like to really personally thank you uh, for giving me a legitimate reason uh, to, yeah, leave Baxter and also another legitimate reason to not wear trackies this morning. So thank you very much. Um, so what was that? How's the family? Oh, thank you for asking. That's very sweet of you. Jemima is three months old. She's going great. Uh, Charlie just turned three the other day, which is very exciting. And Glenn, well, Glenn needs a haircut. Uh, and just on that, Glenn, we've been married six, six years right now, six years. Uh, so it's really at that point in our marriage where the rubber hits the road on some of those, uh, some of those lessons you learnt in your pre-marriage uh, classes. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm really trying to figure those out now. And one which was etched into my brain, which, uh, which we have to remember all the time, is don't use the words always or never in conflict resolution. Uh, because it's unlikely that it always happens and it's very unlikely that it never happens. And it's not a, it's not a, a good way to go about trying to resolve that conflict. You have to communicate it in more reasonable language. Uh, take this fictional example. Glenn, you always throw Jemima's nappies on the floor. No, 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 Julia, no, you can't say that. Uh, you have to say something more reasonable. Glenn, it feels like you often throw Jemima's nappies on the floor, and that frustrates me. This second one is a much better way of trying to resolve the issue at hand because I concede he doesn't always do it. Now, unlike conflict resolution, the Bible frequently uses the words always and never, particularly that pesky Paul. Check these out. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Never stop praying. Romans 12.11 Never be lacking in zeal. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Titus 3, 2. Always be gentle towards everyone. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read these verses, I feel a bit confronted. How am I going to never stop praying? I'd, I'd really much prefer the Bible to say, try to pray as often as you can. But that's not the Bible, is it? No. So today, those examples aside, we're going to be thinking about praise. And I want to make a small little footnote before we get started. Uh, today, I'm going to use the word worship, rejoice and praise to be the same, same but different because they're a part of a group of words which refer to our response towards God. Now, worship, rejoicing and praise are singing, but it's also, it doesn't stop there. It's not just singing. It's an entire way we respond to God, uh, not just with our words, but with our whole life. So, unfortunately for us, Paul says this in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. 
Rejoice always, praise always, worship always. How are we meant to do that? To make things more complicated, the Bible doesn't stop there. Now, if you remember what Josh Josh mentioned earlier in the service, Psalm 100 um, says in verses 1 and 2, shout to the Lord. It doesn't say, sorry, doesn't say shout to the Lord worship the Lord and come before him with song, it says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. We have to praise always and we have to do it with joy. I want you to now just imagine a waterfall. Have you got it in your mind? A waterfall, the waterfall is like rejoicing or praising God. It's a big, beautiful outward display of affection for God. And in order for that water to keep cascading over the rocks, it needs to have a constant, steady supply. Now, we're going to travel upstream together to the small, quiet river that supplies the waterfall, joy, and its source. Now, for some of you, joy might not be a subject that you're wanting to think about just at the present moment. Everything is really full on right now and really serious with COVID. 2020 has generally been a bit of a bust. And beyond that, sometimes life just sucks and you can't seem to catch a break. Don't press pause right now, right? Don't Google right now a sermon by colour on Psalm 88. Do it later. It'll be great. But not right now, because I really do believe that God has something in this topic for you today. So before we dive in, let's pray. Lord, you are with us. May your word, which is sharper than a double-edged sword, cut into our hearts and refresh our souls. Help me, Lord, to deliver your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So, where are we, everyone? This is where we are. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Praise is not just words, but it's how we respond to God with our life. And praise is a waterfall. Joy is the river. So, therefore, let's spend a moment and unpack joy. What is it? Well, firstly, I want to say that we live in a culture which says joy is a feeling. Joy is basically the same as happiness. And there is a sense in which this is true. You can't deny that when things are going well you f- and you, you, you feel good about your life. You do. If you have a birthday and you receive really good presents and you have good food with the people that you love you are actually full of joy. And joy is a pleasurable feeling. So the pursuit of pleasurable feelings does actually have something to do with joy. And Psalm 73 says that there are all these lost people in the world living it up. And they are actually having a really good time. And it's true, there are a lot of people who don't believe in God who are happy They've got families, they've got jobs, they have celebrations and love and friendship and laughter. 
they experience joy. But it's when you only pursue things that make you happy in this world, your joy will not be made complete. These things are temporal, they're time-bound, life happens, things change, and when these things run out, your happiness and your joy will run out. So present happiness is, has something to do with joy, but joy is not limited to present happiness. So take this as an example. You had a great relationship in the past, but life happened. Maybe they died. Maybe you broke up. Maybe it's just an ongoing mess of pain. Your joy is not complete because it was found in something temporary. Maybe you genuinely enjoy your house looking nice, but the reality is that trends change and tastes change. And the more money you earn, the more money you can spend, so the better quality things you can buy. And that candle or that table or that shelf, it, it does actually make you happy. But at the end of the day, if you have the best looking house in the world, your joy will still not be made complete because these things don't last. Okay, that's our first one. Let's move on to our second way that people try to understand joy. An alternate, an alternate way is that joy is a bit more theoretical in the moment and it's about a future happiness or a future, a future pleasure. Joy is something um, which we kind of know now, but it will be realised in the future. So joy is about doing the right thing in the now in order to secure something in the future. These are maybe some, some examples of this, right, uh, where we limit our present feeling of happiness in order to get something out of it, is where maybe instead of sitting in that sunny park, uh, we go and study for, for our, our VCE. Instead of eating that chocolate cake, uh, we, we, we stop ourselves from that current pleasure in order to fit into the pair of jeans. Or instead of buying those shoes or that jumper, we save and we save for that car. So the problem with this view of joy, that limiting your present happiness can lead to something greater in the future, that, that is true. There is, there is a happiness that we do encounter when we do that. But often it reduces joy down to just obedience. Now it is obedience, and there is joy in obedience, but it is not just obedience. And as Christians, what this means for us and our understanding is this side of the resurrection, we, if we take this view, we don't actually feel or experience joy now. It's only a future hope. Now, it is a future hope, and it does have future fulfilment, but it is not just that, because the Bible demands positive emotions from us in the present. Psalm 100 again, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. The feeling of joy is both present and future. But don't you think maybe that that sounds a bit unreasonable? Is the Bible commanding us to feel joy? But what if we just don't? What if we just don't feel joy? We can't make ourselves feel joy. 
As Christians, are we meant to just never be sad and perpetually turn those frowns upside down? No, because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.10 that he is full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. There is this sense in which both things are happening at once, full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. How is that possible? Well, joy is physical, right? It is this physical good feeling. It is laughter. It is being happy. It is feeling good. It's smiling in your mind and in your body. But it's not just a physical feeling. Joy is greater than that. As Galatians 5 says, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So joy is a physical feeling. Like physical feeling is a part of joy, right? Let's move over here. It's a physical feeling. It's a part of joy. But joy is not limited to a physical feeling. This means as Christians, we don't necessarily always express physical joy all the time. But it does mean we have a constant and endless access to joy in God. The Bible says in God's presence, Psalm 1611, there is the fullness of joy. In, the wor- in God's word, Psalm 1-2, our delight is in the law of the Lord. And in God's work, Psalm 111-2, great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Our soul finds joy in him, and in him it will be made complete. So, here's a summary. What is joy? Joy is not just found in the feeling of present happiness. Joy is not just found in in doing the right thing for the sake of future happiness. Joy is not just a physical feeling. The complete, unquenchable, abundant, everlasting source of joy is found in God. Now, do you remember that waterfall we spoke about before? Our daily lives, our comings and goings, our small thoughts, our small feelings, they are the rocks that make up that waterfall. And praise is the waterfall. In order for us to rejoice always, and again I say rejoice, we need a constant river of joy to be tumbling over those rocks. And the source of that joy, the source of that river, is God. And you don't have to tell a person to rejoice or to praise when joy is flowing through them. And the more joy you have, the more spectacular the display of water. Now, have any of you been on the Great Ocean Road? My parents have a holiday house on the Great Ocean Road. Uh, I have driven that road many a time. I've had car accidents on that road. Uh, And there is this sign I drive past quite often when going to my holiday house to Sheoak Falls. Now, you, one time I decided, I'm actually going to check this out. So I pulled off the road. I, I wandered down uh, the bush track to Sheoak Falls, a kilometre or so. 
and it was the most underwhelming waterfall I've ever seen. Particularly in the height of summer, it should be renamed She-Oak Rock Wall and Weeds. It's a disaster. Um, but go there, I'm sure it's great now. Who knows, maybe it was just that day for me. Uh, what I wanna say, some of us have lives that look like underwhelming rock walls rather than waterfalls of praise right now. Now, maybe it's not completely dry, but there's only a tiny, sometimes resentful, or maybe just apathetic trickle of praise going over the rocks. Maybe you have very, very valid reasons for it being that way. I don't want to negate those reasons, but I do believe God has something to say to you about them. Lord, please give us ears to hear this next part. I encourage you to give the opportunity, give God the opportunity to show you where you are right now. Because some of us need to wander upstream and we need to examine our sources of joy. Now, the good things, as I said, in this life, like family and friends and material comfort, the realisations of our hopes and expectations all do bring joy. But when those things are gone, when those expectations aren't realised, when those relationships become hard and broken, when disruption hits, what happens to our joy? How many of us have prayed prayers? God, I've gone through enough. It's been a tough week. It's been a tough month. It's been a tough year. When is it going to stop? I deserve a break. I deserve to be happy. We tell God enough's enough. And he needs to come in and fix our circumstances. But here's the challenge. Are you seeking God or are you only seeking what God can do for you? Even if God did resolve that thing right now, would your joy be complete or would it be temporary? Wander upstream with him. It might be that he is wanting to use your circumstances to find your joy in him. Now, have, ever, have any of you ever seen a natural dam, like one made with beavers before? I haven't. They're not in this country, but maybe you've travelled. Uh, beavers scurry around and they cut down these logs and they make this dam. And the point is to stop the water flowing. The river runs dry. Some of us, like beavers, have logs in our river that we need to remove. Logs which are stopping the flow of joy come through. What are the logs? It's really basic. Just regular, daily, selfish sins. Self-righteousness, pride, 
unforgiveness. I don't know what it is for you. That's something you have to pray about with God. Allow him to reveal it to you. And when he does, we need to repent of these things. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to get those logs and throw them out of the river. We need to come clean before God in prayer. And in doing so, we make room for joy to flow again. Thirdly, just don't fake this. Don't fake joy. When it says rejoice again, rejoice always, again I say rejoice, maybe it's just me, but when I feel really rubbish, I have a rubbish day, I go Googling for Bible verses with joy in them. But I find what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm willing myself to feel something I don't feel. I'm trying to be like, the Bible says this, I'm going to make myself feel it. But what I'm actually doing is just masking the pain and masking the discontentment in my soul. And when that doesn't work, what I, what I then do is I try to understand or, or try to make these verses work. And it means, oh, I might not feel it now, but I'll feel it later. I'll feel it down the future, in the future, when that future hope is realised. I think like those logs, we need to come honestly to, before God and tell him just how we're feeling. Stop trying to change how we're feeling in our own strength and just take it to God. Allow him to restore the joy of our salvation in his timing, not ours. That means we won't always feel happy feelings, but our soul will be satisfied as we come before him and dwell in his presence. Finally, in all of these things, we need to be disciplined. I, I really do need to stress, like meditating on this daily, in the moment, when you feel rubbish, when you've had a bad day, when joy is the last thing you want to think about, think about joy. Sometimes we wake up and we have no sense of joy. Maybe you wake up and you willfully resent verses like this. And, you know, sometimes just life happens and, and the days rob us of the joy that we started with. And maybe you get triggered by small insignificant things like a dirty nappy sitting on the kitchen floor. But deep and complete joy is always available to us as Christians because God is available to us. As we release control and allow his spirit to minister to us, he will build such a mighty river of joy in our souls that you won't be able to stop the powerful and magnificent display of praise and rejoicing that our lives give. This praise cannot be hidden. It cannot be masked. And this praise unashamedly glorifies our magnificent God. Do you want to know something even more amazing? When we then team up together, do life together, praise God together, 
It's like joining our waterfalls together and it looks something amazing like this. It's this beautiful, loud, drenching display and that's what the church of God is. That's what the church of God should be and nobody can miss it. You don't go travelling through that land and miss seeing that sight. This is what we are, church. This is what we're meant to be. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Check your sources. Remove those logs. Don't fake it. Let's pray. Lord, you are a magnificent God. We're sorry for when we spend so much of our time fixating on us and what's happening for us and what's going on in our lives that we forget you. We forget who you are, the creator of the universe. We forget what you've done. We forget the power of the cross and we forget the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remind us, Lord, restore to us the joy of our salvation that we may each and every day grow stronger and stronger in our ability to rejoice always. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.